before we start today's episode, a bit of housekeeping for all those listeners out there. Whichever podcast listening platform you're using, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, reviews can make a huge impact. Not only do we value your feedback, which can help us create better content, but it will also help others discover the podcast. So spread the love and leave a review if you've got a minute. And with that, on with today's show. I'm the Reverend Dr. Jenny McKay, veterinarian, priest, environmentalist, activist, and self-confessed cat junkie. But believe it or not, I do not keep a Swiss army knife and two lip balms in my pockets at all times. Someone who does is my guest, Sister Monica Clare, Episcopal nun at the community of St. John the Baptist in Mendham, New Jersey. Hello, Sister Monica. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it's lovely, <laughs> lovely to be chatting with you. Oh, great. So could you tell me more about the, the contents of your bottomless <laughs> nun pockets, please? <laughs> I think people are surprised to learn that, that we wear a garment under our tunics that has these huge pockets. And uh, I tell people the pockets are big enough to fit a paperback book. <laughs> so, ah, they're that big. <laughs> they're that big. I think any woman would be really, really happy to have pockets like this. <laughs> it's sort of like carrying two small purses all day, but you don't have to <laughs> mess with them. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times I have lip gloss. I'm always putting on lip gloss. Yes, men can wear lip gloss. <laughs> so. so that's very handy to have, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And... Uh, of course, hand lotion. I'm always putting on. Somebody commented on my TikTok video when I was showing the contents of my nun pockets. They said, "Wow, you're really very well hydrated." <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> so I'm very glad you mentioned TikTok there because that is the social media platform that I first saw you on. Um, and you did reveal the secrets of these nun pockets, didn't you, in a very popular video on your TikTok account last year? Yeah. So could you tell me a little bit about your experience with TikTok and what made you want to pull back the curtain on your life in the convent through that social media app? Well, it started out, um, I started a friend of mine in Los Angeles who had been my photo assistant when I was a photo editor said, you should get on TikTok. And I said, I have no interest in that whatsoever. It's, it's for kids, isn't it? It's like dance videos and just silly pranks. And I just have no interest in that. I'm in my 50s. Why would I do this? <laughs> and he said, no, no, they have a lot of cat videos. So uh -huh. that was the gateway for me, was the cat videos. Okay. Because uh, I'm a, he knows that I'm a cat person. So I started watching cat videos and... Um, <laughs> When you first get on TikTok, they send you a bunch of videos that you don't care about. Yes. But they, they soon learn your preferences. And I thought, wow, this is not just kids. It's uh, mm -hmm. people who are archaeologists and priests and people who are educating the public about things. And I could educate the public about the religious life because um, not many people know much about it. It's no. been very misrepresented in the media. Mm -hmm. There are all these 
every time a movie comes out about nuns, I just roll my eyes because I say there is, you know, it's this cinematic idea of what nuns are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So at first I started putting up funny videos because uh, we had this wild turkey that was attacking our property. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll just make people laugh. It was in the middle of the pandemic and I thought oh. people really need to laugh. And I certainly do. So um, it was, that's how it began was with the turkey videos. <laughs> and people responded to those. So I thought, well, I've got about four followers now. Okay. I think I'm doing very well for myself. <laughs> and uh, I thought, now that I've got some attention, I'll just start talking about the religious life. And pretty early on, I... Um, I recorded a video saying, yes, the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion does have nuns and monks, and uh, most people are not aware of that, mm -hmm. so I'd like yeah. to tell you that I am one, and it started snowballing from there. I was really, really shocked at how interested people were in our life. I thought it would be this tiny little niche mm -hmm. of church nerds, of Anglo-Catholic <laughs> clergy, <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, the general public has become very interested in nun talk, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a wonderful surprise. It is. And I think people, they they just have questions, don't they, about religion and spirituality. And it's difficult to find somewhere mm -hmm. to get maybe that, that basic information. Very true. And and I remember in my own spiritual search, I was very frustrated because I would look at the websites of different denominations and I would talk to clergy, but I didn't feel like I was getting any definitive answers to things. And then I learned later on, well, spirituality is really not about definitive answers, but I thought maybe I could help people by making some of the hard questions more accessible, given directing them to books they can read or yes. some theologians um, insights onto different tough questions. And I was surprised at how well people responded to that because people who don't go to church, who've experienced a lot of religious trauma started um, showing up under my, in the comments under my videos and asking mm -hmm. things about, can I be mad at God? And, why would a loving God allow bad stuff to happen? Yeah. So it generated a discussion in the comments among the people who were watching the videos. And I thought it was almost like a like a Bible study. These people are really, yeah, yeah, <laughs> really yeah. engaging. And I would say 95% of them are people who don't go to church and they're not religious, but they're curious about this God nice. that they've heard about. Yes. And so I'm, I'm hoping I can bring people into a better understanding of the real God. No, God that, love. That is, that is tremendous. As you say, it's just reaching out to people who aren't confident for whatever reason or scared to go into the, the church, the physical building. Yeah. There's been so much religious trauma and um, people are, are frozen in place. You know, they don't want to venture out and get traumatized again. So I think the internet is the safe place for them yes. to explore their spirituality. And have you converted any other nuns to social media? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've converted um, a couple of other sisters from different communities okay. than mine. 
my community is still highly suspicious of social media and they think of it as a really risky, unsafe space. And I keep trying to reassure them. I was working advertising when social media first came about and we learned very early on how to harness social media in a in a safer way so that you can maintain some distance between yourself and your audience like a professional distance yes. not let people in um, to your deepest private thoughts and expose things that don't need to be out there in public yeah so i'm trying to get more sisters on board the roman catholics were light years ahead of us in this <laughs> They were on social media a long time ago doing really great things. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that I took my my lead from. Right, right. But it's getting the the Episcopal nuns online is more more of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a real challenge because some of them were taught to live the hidden life. Right. That you're never supposed to to do anything in public. You're supposed to just disappear mm -hmm. from the world. And as a former marketing person, I say. That's all fine and good, but that's not going to get people to pay attention to what we're doing and see how yeah, great it is. Yeah. But do the sisters in your convent watch what you do on, on TikTok? Some of them do, and those are the ones who are really supportive. They've been, uh, they've defended me against um, the anxiety and fear of the other sisters who say you shouldn't be doing that. It's putting all our business out there in public. <laughs> And the sisters who actually watched the video have said, that's not what's happening. She's actually very uh, innocuous. You know, she's not saying, oh, I had a fight with sister so-and-so today. And she, you know. No, no. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Not those sorts of personal <laughs> issues at all, is that? No, well, no, not at all. Well, I hope, I hope they continue to watch you and they can listen to this podcast as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you think the general public's perception on the sisterhood has been changed through watching your videos? I think so. I think that I'm debunking a lot of the stereotypes. One of the first stereotypes I really wanted to address was very tricky, and that is people perceive nuns as being really highly sexually repressed women who are having all these secret affairs because. That's what you see in the movies. That's a, that's usually the plot of a movie that's in a convent. And one of the first videos I made was saying that is not how it is. <laughs> that's a that's a Hollywood fantasy, and I'm here to tell you. In my 11 years of religious life, I've never heard of stuff like that going on. <laughs> right. Very very good that you can debunk those those sorts of myths floating around. Yeah, because they really distract from what we mm -hmm. actually do, which mm -hmm. is a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of good in the world. Absolutely. So yeah. what's the most what's the most common question that you've been asked on TikTok? Believe it or not, the first overwhelming question I got, because I was putting up videos, informational videos, and women started saying, what is your skincare routine? You have really. <laughs> And I had nobody never told me that in my whole life that I had good skin. I didn't think I did. And so I made a video about I really don't have a skincare routine, nor nor do I have good skin. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was surprising. And then after that, I think the second most asked question is why don't you wear a veil? 
Ah, <laughs> but people don't wear those veils anymore. Yeah. Not, not in um your denomination anyway. No, I mean we wear the the tunic, the habit, but not the veil. And people were so curious. I still get that question. That's the most asked question these days. Now that the skincare has died down, oh, <laughs> they all want to know about so the veil. funny, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that that might have been the number one question. <laughs> you think it would be something a little deeper, but yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always happy to answer whatever questions. I always say, ask me anything, no matter how weird it is or embarrassing I, I'll be happy to answer questions about religious life and people don't know what to call the veil sometimes because they don't know anything about sisterhood so they'll call it a habit they'll say why don't you wear a habit <laughs> because they think the veil is called the habit. <laughs> to gently correct them that's good that's all part of the learning process for them isn't it yeah definitely respect their beginner's mind <laughs> so what response or reaction to a video has surprised you the most on tiktok well very early on i thought you know i'm gonna put up a video where i'm singing some gregorian chant and i thought me and three other church nerds are going to be interested in this video because who cares about gregorian chant except for me and those three other <laughs> church nerds that video got over, I think it was like 1.5 million views of me singing Gregorian chant. I was completely blown away by that because I had, you know, qualified it in the video by saying I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I've never had any real training. I've just sort of picked it up by ear. Mm -hmm. And yet people were moved by it. Yeah. And that really made me happy because it's wow. so ancient and it's so beautiful. Yes. There's something about the spirituality of that singing that really touched people. Yeah, definitely. Of course, I wanted to do a video of me singing with my sisters, but they said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> they were horrified at the idea. Oh, of no. <laughs> well, that's that's maybe something for the future, Sister Monica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can get them interested somehow. <laughs> So we've been talking a lot about your life, um, the religious part of your life, but you've had a very, very interesting life before that. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey from Hollywood ad agent? And you were also an aspiring actress before you came to the Episcopalian convent. That's right. Well, I started out when I was a kid um, being fascinated by nuns and wanting to be a nun. And everybody talked me out of it. So okay. when I was in high school, I started acting just, you know, in the school plays and became interested in acting. And people were very supportive of it and saying, you should really pursue this. You know, you're really talented. And my mother was very supportive. She was an unusual, she is an unusual mom. She wanted us all to go into the arts. Most people would say, you know, become an accountant. To their yes, kids. finance, law. <laughs> yes, exactly. She encouraged us. My sisters, she wanted them to be ballet dancers. And, you know, she made all these sacrifices for that. And with me, she wanted me to be either a visual artist or um, or an actress. And she was right in that my she knew that acting really helped me with my shyness. It was a really good way to get me out of my shell. 
And she also thought it was a way for me to get out of my crummy little hometown <laughs> and actually go and, and, and be somebody, be famous. So um, I majored in acting in college. I went to New York University and got a completely useless degree in acting. <laughs> 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 and I lived in New York City uh, while I was going to NYU. And then while I was at NYU, I started working as a nanny for this family because the dad was in advertising. He was the head of advertising at Revlon. Okay. And um, they asked me after I graduated if I would move with them to, to Los Angeles. Uh, right. Because okay. he, he got a job at Paramount as the um, head of worldwide marketing at Paramount. And so I pursued acting. I gave myself 10 years. And after 10 years, I thought, okay, I've been doing this since I was in college, total of 13 years. I don't have an agent and I've never gotten a paying job as an actor. So I think it's time to pack it in. And in the meantime, I had been working in advertising just to pay the bills. And I realized, wow, I've, I've got a career in advertising accidentally. I, I've sort of stumbled upon it um, just because I wanted to get an office job when I was done being a nanny. Okay. The dad of the family helped me get an office job, receptionist job. And then I worked my way up to being a senior photo editor, um, which the creative part of it, I loved. I loved yeah. photography and working with big photographers and learning, you know, a, the knee of the masters, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. love the creative part of it because um, there is a part of me that is an artist really I mean my mother was right about that <laughs> um, but it was a very toxic work environment the the Hollywood system is very abusive and exploitative especially of women mm. and um, it was tough for me because movie advertising was a male-dominated field right it was a boys club and there was a lot of screaming and yelling and um, people abusing all kinds of substances and alcohol. Right. This wasn't you at all. Not no. me at all. And it's it's a it's mm. a it's a an industry for extroverts, for like extreme extroverts. And right. I am an extreme introvert. <laughs> so it wasn't a good fit. And there are, I always say, you know, there are people who are meant to be in advertising. They love it. It's what gets them out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. and good for them. I think that's great, but I'm not one of those people. I was miserable and mm -hmm. developed a lot of uh, autoimmune diseases and oh uh, depression, anxiety, and kept talking to my therapist about it for years and years. And I would say to my therapist, you know, when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to be was a knife. That's that suits my personality. That's what I want to do. And of course, being a therapist, she said, that's not a healthy place really? to right. live your life. No, it's, no. Uh, just like many other people, she thought of it as being a repressed, sort of sad, empty life. And um, it was in therapy that I got, you know, enough confidence to say to people, I don't really care what you think. Yes, I'm, this <laughs> I'm is what I want it. to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the age of um, 30, I decided I was going to really seriously pursue being a sister. I started visiting convents mm -hmm. and I would lie to my coworkers in the ad agency. And I would say, 
I was going on a retreat, <laughs> but mm-hmm. in reality, I was um, visiting convents and, and seriously thinking about joining. Right. But um, you have to be out of debt to join a convent. So it took me 14 years to get out of debt. Um, and then, you know, there was the, the question of shutting down my life, getting rid of all my things and yeah. um, quitting my job. I I'd, I'd had yes. a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't like, but it was a good job. <laughs> and uh, so at the age of 46, that's when I became a sister and never regretted it. Not one second. Oh, that's that's amazing how things have worked out. And I guess that advertising background and the creativity mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you can see that coming through on, on TikTok, can't we? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> An acting training. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all it's all made you very, very capable for how you are um presenting religion and, and helping people today, I think. Appreciate that. But was religion was it a big part of your life when you were growing up? You were growing up in Georgia, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um my parents were not religious, they were rebellious hippies. And rejected any institution, including religion. But um, I grew up in a home where my my father was a drug addict, alcoholic, very violent. So as a result, we spent a lot of time at my grandparents. And my grandmother was extremely devout. She was um, a Southern Baptist. And I, I always said, if the Southern Baptist had had nuns, my grandmother would have been one <laughs> because <laughs> she had the persona and the devotion of, of a nun. She prayed every day and she did her Bible study every single day. And we used to say she went to church every five minutes. Okay. So really, my grandparents were a big influence on me, my spiritual life. My grandmother was an example of an extremely good Christian. She would give you the shirt off her back and... She was always very gentle and very loving and compassionate Mm -hmm. and raised me very well. So I would give her the credit for giving me my faith. And my mother was more unorthodox about spirituality. She was, um, you know, exploring Buddhist ideas and American Indian ideas, indigenous, we call it now. And um, she gave me that unorthodox way of looking at spirituality instead of a super traditional way but the the two of them were extremely opposed to the idea of me becoming a roman catholic and becoming a nun because in the south at that time i don't know if it's changed i hope it's changed but there was still that old reformation holdover of um anti-catholic sentiment in the south Mm -hmm. and Looking back on it now that I know the history of of Christianity, it's really interesting how when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, the the things that had driven people apart in the 16th century were still driving them apart. There was this sentiment among my family that only over my dead body will you become a Roman Catholic because they are evil. And um, so I had to sneak to to Roman Catholic churches and to the Roman Catholic, there was a Catholic school in my hometown and one Roman Catholic church in my hometown. And 
That was only for people who had either moved there from the north, they were not right. southerners, okay, or they were from a foreign country, the nurses and doctors that worked, oh, you know, that were from the right. Philippines. And that was it. <laughs> they didn't, real southerners, uh, quote unquote, didn't go to the Catholic Church. So that was a big reason that it was it was told to me that I, I couldn't possibly do it. And I was I was devastated. I bet you were. But yeah, there was still still something calling you, even when you went over to Los Angeles, that, that call never disappeared, did it? Totally. I mean, I thought, well, if it's completely socially unacceptable for me to be a sister, I'm going to read books about nuns. I'm going to visit nuns. I'm just going to be one of those people who is nun crazy. <laughs> and all those years that I lived in L.A., I was I had a a library card at Beverly Hills Library, and I would go check out books <laughs> on nuns. One of them, my favorites, was a book called Sisters in Arms, and it was all about the whole history of nuns throughout Christianity. Okay. I really loved it, and I would watch movies about nuns, even though most of them were terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you, you need to do a documentary and television about nuns, I think, Sister Monica. Oh, I would love that. I'd love to give the, the real history. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Eve, even though you, you know, you had this background of advertising and a lot of what happened at that time was, was very, very painful for you. Is there anything you learned from that experience that has helped shape your outlook today, either on yourself or mm -hmm. on the human condition in general? I think it was so helpful. And of course, it was all in God's great wisdom that I was sent there by God to live that life in Los Angeles and learn what I did, because I would be a completely different person if I had never done that. Yes, I learned um, I learned a lot about people who don't go to church because living in L.A., everybody I knew didn't go to church. And I would really listen to the reasons that they didn't. And I came to understand that it's really different from what people think. You know, people in the church have all sorts of theories about why people don't go to church. And I heard it straight from the horse's mouth over many, many years, a lot of times. And for me, the reasons became very clear. And so now in my own ministry, I can address those kinds of people and say, I get it. I totally understand why you don't go to church. But church is not always like what you think it is. It's, there is a loving, compassionate version of church. It's not all one thing. And I can be sensitive to people's um, reluctance about Christianity. So that was a huge gift. And also all the skills that I picked up in that job that I hated. Um, <laughs> marketing, um, yeah. social media photography I do our you know I do the design our website and our advertising because I learned Photoshop I always tell people I'm so old I've been using Photoshop since it was invented <laughs> <laughs> before that we had to do everything by hand oh yes yes but <laughs> so, in, in your videos though I mean they're very very down to earth I mean do you think I mean people today especially after COVID Mm -hmm. I think people can just produce videos at home mm -hmm. with a phone. Yeah. A lot of this fancy technology microphone studios, yeah. it, it's just not looked for anymore, is it? 
Yeah, I really believe, and I've read about this too, because I still always study marketing trends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just, I'll never stop doing that. And one of the things that's driving the current um, scene out there on social media is authenticity. People are sick of fake um, ads and they're sick of this. Instagram reached its peak of being really fake at one point. Mm-hmm. And that was right before the pandemic, I think. And people started actively rejecting that fakeness because they don't want to see someone in Dubai in a Ferrari <laughs> wearing Gucci anymore. They want to see somebody crying in their kitchen and having some real yes. human human moments that they can relate to. And I think I thought, whoever thought that authenticity would mm. be a trend? <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's great. It's good. It's good because I know sometimes when I put videos out on social media, I think, oh, they're not quite good enough. You know, I haven't got the light right. But mm-hmm. I mean, that that's how I am at that particular yeah. moment. And yeah, like you say, people it's the authentic moment. Yeah, people really are looking for humanity. I think especially. It's the pandemic when we were cut off from each other's humanity for so long. I think that people got very lonely, very isolated and wanted to connect. Even if you're just watching somebody talking to a camera, that human connection felt very healing. Very, it was very, very important. Yeah, yeah. continues continues to be so. Yeah. Well, as you know, I'm I'm also a vet so like you I I like to be embedded in that world out there and and relate to people in their day-to-day troubles Mm -hmm. and walk alongside them but I know you've got a very very important sister in the convent called Sister Jenny (laughs) (laughs) yes Sister Jenny is a a mutt she's the dog that we rescued (laughs) from a rescue a local rescue that for some reason, they bring dogs to New Jersey from North Carolina. I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> so she was born in North Carolina. One of our friends bought us a DNA test for her. And it turns out she's a treeing walker coonhound. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> <And> unusual. <laughs> it, I've never even heard of that. And she's also a border collie, which okay. means she uh, is very bossy, but yet, <laughs> but yet extremely, we never really had to do much training with her. She's just the sweetest little thing, Aww. but she gets very mad if we don't have the correct schedule that she thinks we should have. If she feels like not enough sisters are in chapel on time, really? you can see that she gets very irritated. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes to every chapel service we have five divine offices every day plus mass she attends every one of those and um another hilarious thing that she does is during the day she will randomly burst into my office which is the mother superior's office and lay down on the rug and so i tell people she thinks she's the mother superior and this is her office (laughs) she probably does yeah yeah she's loaning it out to you isn't she exactly (laughs) So I just humor her and let her think she's the mother superior. (laughs) And she has appeared on TikTok as well, hasn't she? She has. She has a lot of fans on TikTok. At one point I thought about giving her her own channel and I'm still entertaining that thought. (laughs) 
And that's another connection, I think, for people in religion, isn't it? A lot of people like animals and, and bringing that into okay. discussion is definitely can open up a lot of interesting discussions. Yes. And I think, um, you know, our lives can be very austere at times and we live very um, aesthetically. Mm -hmm. And to have a dog around to add some silliness and make us laugh and um, give us some cuddles, <laughs> it's really... You need fun as well. Definitely. And we have a cat, of course. Oh. Um, Clara Elizabeth, Sister Clara Elizabeth the cat. <laughs> I bet she doesn't get on quite so well with the dog. <laughs> they, surprisingly, they get along really well. Oh, I would I would never have thought that in a million years, but... They they wrestle and <laughs> and then occasionally they'll smack at each other, but they sort of hang out in the sitting room. They both lie on the rug together and they don't cuddle. They're not that close. Okay, <laughs> okay. So then, yeah, they allow each other their own space. Exactly. <laughs> and you are going to be going on to study for the priesthood, aren't you? That's right. It's yeah. very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I've been called to the priesthood. I was called first to the sisterhood and then second to the priesthood. Um, the priesthood call happened like around the year 2000. It was a long time ago. And when I joined this community, one of the reasons I joined is because they had two sisters who were also priests. And I knew that that option was available to me. But I had to wait until after I was life professed, which took many years. And... Um, and then I wasn't, I was thinking, God, your timing is really weird with this because <laughs> I finally got accepted. I was able to, you know, the community allowed me to start the ordination process right before I got elected superior. And I thought, how am I going to do both of these things? Yes. But um, so far I've, I've managed. There've been times when I thought, oh, going crazy there's too much study yes <laughs> yeah but, but strength strength has been given to you sister monica to, to manage all this god equips those he calls so. <laughs> that's marvelous that's marvelous news and i i know you're going to go on from from strength to strength thank you much appreciated it's been so lovely talking to you for you blowing apart some of the myths some of our listeners will probably have <laughs> And I think I definitely, underneath my cassock, I need to wear a garment with very, very large pockets because I do not know where to put all my bits and bobs. I highly recommend it. <laughs> so thank you again. It's been a pleasure thank to you. talk to you and you too, all Jenny. the very best. Have you have you got anything in particular that you want to do next? On TikTok? <laughs> yes. I want to do some more Gregorian chant because uh, I haven't done any in a while and I think people enjoyed yeah. it so much. Give them, give them more of what they like. So. Marvelous. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs>